This week on episode 502 of Priority One, we track out what Viacom CBS has planned for First Contact Day on April 5th, how the Voyager documentary is off to a great start, and what some cities are doing to honour Leonard Nimoy. In gaming, Star Trek Online has a bunch of ships it wants you to buy, while some devs showcase their works in progress on Twitter. Plus, learn to play Tongo! You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. This episode of Priority One is sponsored by Eagle Moss Hero Collector, who invite you to build the USS Enterprise NCC-1701D. Officially authorized by CBS Studios, this is an incredibly detailed die-cast metal replica of the legendary Star Trek starship that you actually build yourself. Subscribe today for only $4.95 for your first two model kits with a step-by-step assembly magazine, plus free shipping when you go to PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash one seven. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 502 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, March 30th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, April 2nd at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. And we want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope you'll stay in touch. You see, we're a podcast produced by the community, a community of Star Trek fans. So it's important that we also hear your opinions. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook, where we post weekly community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite app and you'll find us. Or you can email Email us. Reach out at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. As Roscoe said, this is a community podcast produced by a team of volunteers that dedicate their time and talents each and every week. From audio editors to writers to us, the hosts, we come together each week because we're passionate about the Star Trek multiverse. And like any passion project, it's hard to keep things running at no cost. So if you find value in this production and want to help us continue to grow, check us out at our Patreon page. There you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. But we understand that financial contributions might be tough right now. Which is why, like a community theatre group, we're always looking for volunteers, like ourselves, to help make the show better. So if you've wanted to be a part of a podcast community like ours, reach out to us. From audio or video editors to artists to hosting. That's right. Just because Roscoe has taken over for Tony doesn't mean that we're still not looking for an additional voice to be a part of the weekly conversation. So, if you've got a lot to say about Star Trek, 
we encourage you to visit our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, and click on the Join the Team link at the top. There, you'll find a description of all our available positions that we're hoping to fill, including the host spot. And if you're a member of the BIPOC and or LGBTQ community, we hope that you'll seriously consider applying. Captains, our panel of hosts are quite pale. And although I may be the closest thing to a minority as a light-skinned Latino, it's important that we make every effort to represent several corners of the Star Trek community. So remember, our site is PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now, let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's Trek it out. April 5th, 2063, built from the remains of old nuclear missiles, Zephram Cochrane boards his faster-than-light ship named the Phoenix and ushers in a new era of space exploration for all humankind. Imagine it. Thousands of inhabited planets at our fingertips. And we'll be able to explore those strange new worlds and seek out new life and new civilizations. This engine will let us go boldly where no man has gone before. But, of course, this is nothing more than a fictional date set in our Star Trek multiverse. That's okay, though. There's no reason why we shouldn't celebrate it, and celebrate it we shall. StarTrek.com has announced that on Monday, April 5th, Paramount Plus will host a virtual celebration honouring and commemorating the date with exclusive panels with cast and creatives. Announcements, episode marathons and the return of the hashtag Star Trek United Gives initiative. Panels featuring guest appearances by several notable and fan favourite Star Trek personalities will start at 12pm Pacific time. So mark your calendars because this is not an event you're going to want to miss. Links to the Announcement and the list of events planned for the day can be found at StarTrek.com forward slash first contact, and we'll, of course, have it in our show notes. So the hashtag Star Trek United Gives is not the first time that CBS, Viacom, Viacom CBS has done this. The last time they did it was in uh, September 2020. It's also not the first time that they've been doing these virtual panels, right? They got used to it last year, not just for First Contact Day, but again for Comic-Con, where they presented a, a pretty compelling and, and interesting uh, virtual event for everyone. So it's good to see that they're bringing it back and that they are presenting several interesting panels that include, you know, Sir Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner. Uh, you've got... Um, Mike McMahon as well. Right, Mike McMahon from Lower Decks. You've got you've got Mika Burton running a conversation uh, with the creatives, creating first contacts with uh, Gersha Phillips and Neville Page, to name a few. She also is going to host a another panel, uh, Women in Motion. So this is this is going to be a fun day. So if you have the opportunity to catch it on Monday the fifth, be sure to do so. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Mika Burton is a really good host for these panels. I know she was on that one in September and she did a really great job. She did. I will say this. I'm a little disappointed. So they're, they, it's at the bottom of the page, but they definitely are promoting their merch shop, right? So it's got a whole bunch of first contact day, you know, merch that they're trying to push. I get it, right? They want to make some money and people are going to buy it, but I feel like they could go one step further in addition to the hashtag Star Trek United Gives. Maybe the day of first contact for the same amount of time, that same day, 
maybe if you buy something, the proceeds go to the organization as well. I that I think that would be like a nice icing to the cake. Because at the moment, just by using hashtag Star Trek United Gives, Paramount Plus donates a dollar to the organizations that they're donating to. That's where it stands at the moment. So we're not being asked to donate. We're simply being asked to use that hashtag and that will generate donations from Paramount Plus. Okay, right. So we could, we can donate, people can donate if they want to. Yeah, okay. If If they're pushing their merch, that would be nice. If some of the merch proceeds went to these organizations as well, because otherwise then it's just about talking about whatever they're talking about. It's it's about increasing increasing and generating um, chatter on social media, which is great. You've got to do that. If you're an organization, that's what it's all about. But yeah, okay. Good luck to them. That leads us to our first community question this week. Which panel did you enjoy most during Star Trek's first Contact Day celebrations? Other than watching the event, how did you celebrate that day? Well, the Star Trek Voyager documentary on Indiegogo has become the most funded documentary crowdfunding campaign of all time, slipstreaming past the 1.1 million mark this week. And the 455 Films documentary on March 24th announced the name of the feature, To the Journey. Looking back at Star Trek Voyager. On their campaign page, the documentary team confirmed the Delta Quadrant documentary has reached all of its stretch goals, including remastering all Star Trek Voyager footage in high definition and an exclusive never-before-seen Voyager surprise. 455 Films is the production team behind other recent Star Trek-related documentaries, including What We Left Behind, looking back at Star Trek Deep Space Nine, For the Love of Spock, and Chaos on the Bridge, a look at the first few seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation. The challenge with the remastering is they'll be working on all of the footage from Star Trek Voyager that will be included in the documentary. And I really hope this makes the case to Paramount Plus, to CBS, to say we would all really love Voyager and Deep Space Nine remastered in high definition. Can we do that? Please, can we do that? That would be amazing. Look how good it looks in this documentary. Oh, all right. So as I was reading it, I I must have missed interpreted it in my brain. So they're they're only doing select scenes, right? They're not doing the entire series of Voyager remastered. No, the budget on that would be astronomical. Right, um, right, right, right. So for for this they will use the cl- there's all the clips that they will use in the production of the documentary and they will upscale those, remaster them in high definition, which makes perfect sense. They now have the budget to do that because of the all of the stretch goals have been met. It's absolutely phenomenal. I'm very excited about it. I I backed this one and I look forward to getting my Captain Janeway mug. Cool. That's awesome. Um, that's amazing. And I, I think with all the buzz that this is generating, you would think Paramount would take note and say, hey, this is something people really want to see. <laughs> Get on that remastering. I want to see that. I think, um, yeah, it'll be good. I like how these documentaries start, right? Because the DS9 doc, that had started filming before the Indiegogo had been announced, right? The crowdfunding had been announced, and so did this, right? This They had already started filming during the cruise in early 2020, and Deep Space Nine, I remember, they were filming, uh, I want to say, at as early as 2017, maybe 2018. I remember Iris Stephen Bear was walking around with 
uh, camera crew interviewing people for the documentary. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I get it. There's a hunger for these digital remastered series to come to life, right? And maybe as Star Trek continues to age better with time, like a fine wine, people are going to be more and more interested. But time and again, I mean, I just don't know that there was a return on investment that they saw that would merit these other series getting the same treatment, right? Because it's not just a matter of AI upscaling. Like D TNG, they took the originals and converted them into HD. But that's because for all intents and purposes, TNG was filmed in, in a quality that lent itself to the upscale. The difference was TNG was filmed, literally, it was filmed on film, whereas Voyager and Deep Space Nine was not. Oh, it was not? Yeah, Deep Space Nine, maybe. I, I'm not sure about that, but um, they were on digital. Therein lies the problem, is going back to the originals doesn't necessarily mean you're drawing from a, a higher quality source. So because TNG was filmed on film, you're drawing from a higher quality source, and that means they can upscale it relatively easy. Okay, so I just looked it up. They said uh, the CGI effects were all done for video, low resolution, after the 35mm film transfer. Uh, so all the visual effects of the show would have to be redone. I'm assuming that's the same for Voyager. Well, that leads us to our next community question this week. Did you back the Voyager documentary? What perks are you excited about getting? And do you plan on attending any of the premieres? Now, Captains, remember to reply to all of these community questions in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on social media when we publish it later this week on places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Commemorating what would have been his 90th birthday, the city of Boston has heralded March 26th as Leonard Nimoy Day. It was also announced that a 20-foot live-long and prosper statue in the shape of the Vulcan salute has been commissioned and will be placed at Boston's Museum of Science. And lastly, before we wrap up the general headlines from the Star Trek multiverse, we want to take a moment to congratulate Hanalee Culpepper for winning the NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Directing in a Drama Series for her work on Star Trek Picard. Congratulations. Absolutely. Now, Captains, back in February, she wrote a guest column for Deadline uh, about breaking barriers and doing the work was the title of the, of the column itself. And in it, she talks about being uh, the first black director and first woman director to launch a Star Trek movie or series. And there's no doubt that her take on Star Trek comes from informed knowledge about its rich history. So I strongly encourage that you read that article over at Deadline. Yeah, those those first couple of episodes of Picard, I think the first two or three, that, that could have been a movie in itself. Picard getting the band together, the new band, not the old band, that getting back that back together, but getting the new band together and venturing off. It's re a really well-rounded story, that first, those first couple of episodes of Picard, and it, it really set it up, set the standard quite high uh, straight from the start which I thoroughly enjoyed. There were some ups, there were some downs throughout the course of the first series, but I, I recently did a rewatch and found that it works a lot better as a series when you can binge that whole thing in a very short space of time, not waiting um, and agonising over every episode, running through the story and, and getting the answers posed by each episode in the next episode. Worked out very well, for me anyway. She did the interview on The Ready Room with Will Wheaton and she put, I mean, she explained like her thought processes for the 
those first few episodes, even down to the color schemes and all of that she had planned out. It it was, you know, so detailed. You just know like she put so much thought and effort into it. It's great. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. High score. Captains, before we move on to gaming news, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Egomoss, and their Hero Collector series. You see, last week, we talked about their entire Star Trek universe, but this week, there's some big news, and I mean really big news. Now, those of you who aren't familiar, Egomoss is the company that is officially authorized to present high-quality die-cast and ABS material ships that you can display proudly wherever you showcase your Star Trek memorabilia. These ships are absolutely stunning and gorgeous with incredible detail. Now, those are small, and yeah, sure, they have some larger ships that you can purchase, like the XL series, which are just as beautiful, but now you can go even bigger. You can actually build the USS Enterprise NCC-1701D. What? That's amazing. You say build, but it's not really build because the parts are pre-painted. The decals are already there. You just clip or screw the bits together. You don't need glue or tools other than maybe a screwdriver. So this works for me because I don't want to be building a model because I don't have the patience. But if it all just fits together and you just have to, you know, clip the parts, I can handle that. And oh my God, an Enterprise D. I want that. Uh, So once you get it all put together, your Enterprise D will span 27.5 inches in length and 19.6 inches wide. That is so cool. Uh, there were three models that were used during the filming of the series. The model of this die-cast replica has been designed so that the saucer and the star drive section can separate. It has working lights. The exterior has all the details you would expect. Phaser strips, transport emitters, torpedo bays in the right places, even the captain's yacht as well. There is literally nothing else like it available right now and it's available only from Eagle Moss Hero Collector. Uh, there's, there is a special introductory price of only $4.95 for your first two model kits with a step-by-step assembly magazine plus free shipping when you go to priority1podcast.com forward slash 1701D. Then approximately every other month Month, you'll receive four new model kits delivered directly to your door for only $12.90 and $2.45 shipping per kit. So, Captains, if you're already familiar with Eagle Moss, they did this already once before with uh, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. It is, in fact, they send you pieces of the model that you then piece together, right? And like Kat said, no glue, no nothing. Maybe a screwdriver and that's all you need. And it already has the lights and decals and paint jobs already done, right? So if you ever thought about getting into model making, but maybe didn't have the space, maybe didn't have, you know, a desk where you can, you know, use glue and whatnot, this might be an option for you. You do need over two feet of 
space to display it because it's going to be massive. But imagine having this incredible... It, it, I mean, these Eagle Moss ships could be used in cinematics. I mean, they're just so, so well detailed that I can't imagine what two feet of an Eagle Moss ship is going to look like. I mean, it, 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 it reminds me of w the pictures that you've seen in the making of Star Trek The Next Generation, right? With Michael Kuda and Doug Drexler behind the scenes holding the model up. Like, this is what I picture with this Eagle Moss ship. So you get the pieces every month. It starts at $4.95 for your two model kits. Trek it out. Again, that website is PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash 1701D, 1701D. And that'll take you directly to the page where you can get an exclusive offer for being a Priority One listener. So again, we thank Eagle Moss for their ongoing support of Priority One. Be sure to trek them out. Just when you thought it was safe to go back to the final frontier. Klingons! Yes, the year of Klingon is supposedly over, but like sketchy, all-you-can-eat guck, they just keep coming back up. Now the KDF's getting the same legendary Captain Bundle treatment the Romulans and Discovery Feds have enjoyed, boosts and all. Most of it looks the same, down to the 12,000 Zen price tag and temporary 50% discount. However, buried in the contents list is the never-before-released Stasis Field Projector. This universal console can, quote, severely debilitate up to three nearby targets with the press of just one button, end quote. Now, if you are a patron, then you joined us on our adventure through the animated series. And uh, one of the powers in this bundle is the Stasis Field Projector, which is a nice deep cut canon reference to uh, More Tribbles, More Troubles over uh, that episode of... Uh, the animated series. Yeah, I I saw that. I was surprised because we just watched those episodes. Uh, and I love in the animated series that the Romulan ships are D7s. Wait, is this picture from the animated series or are they making this ship look like this in the game? No, that's from the animated oh, okay, series. Right. I wasn't Panda sure if they was were changing their animation in Star Trek. Online copying, pasting for fun. Will we ever see a Romulan version of the D7? Oh, I hope I so. Wonder. That would be amazing. I mean, it's the same one. <laughs> <laughs> right? It shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> Until now, getting a tier 6 D7 required either RN Jesus's blessings or 10 figures on the exchange. Worry no more, warriors. For only 6,000 to 12,000 Zen, the KDF Captain Bundle also includes the legendary D7 Battlecruiser. It includes the ominous device and the magnetometric generator. If you've been waiting for this ship, you probably already have those two consoles, but what is new is the Shall We Not Revenge legendary ship trait. When this trait is slotted, quote, activating any whole healing bridge officer ability or intelligence bridge officer ability will cause you to begin reflecting incoming damage from energy weapons back at your attackers as disruptor damage. While this reflect mode is active, additional activations of this trait will increase the percentage of reflected damage instead of extending its duration, end quote. Finally, the legendary D7 includes the Gorkhan's Kronos 1 skin seen in the Undiscovered Country. Pink blood spatter not included. So, alright, so this is going to cost a player 60 bucks. 
right? And you get on sale. It's on sale. That's the sale right. price. That's, that's the sale. yeah, the introductory sale price. So once you don't get it during the introductory price, it's generally much more expensive. Right, right. So without the sale bonus, it's going to be over a hundred bucks. It'll be double that, right? Yeah, hundred and twenty dollars. Yes. So all right, let's break it down a little bit, right? So first up, we've got the the level boost. So the level boost comes with a caveat, right? The caveat is you have to already have a character at level 65, right? It's not like you can jump into Star Trek Online, buy this, and then boom, level 65. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, it's like Well, I'm, it's for alts. It's like, okay, I, I made an alt, and I don't want to mess with it. It's just going to get to 65 because I just want to focus on end game. That, that might be true, but what about a new player that may not want to like go on that journey right like like doesn't want to wants to just be able to jump in and start playing with their friends right so i wonder i wonder like this could have been a good opportunity to you know let players just max level to 65 and join their friends for a 60 dollar price tag right in addition to you know all these other bonuses and boosts right the stasis field you've got you get a million energy credits a million expertise uh a bunch of reputation dilithium vouchers uh inventory bank slots bridge officers you know you got a bunch of stuff that are quality of life related things sure but jumping to level 65 is no small thing so i can see why they would gate that or limit that to people who already have a character at 65 but I almost feel like it's a missed opportunity, right? For a new player to come in and say, you know what, fine, I don't really need to play Federation. I'll create a Klingon character and boom, 65. I think a lot of players will get this for the Starship trait because it's a legendary Starship trait for starters. So once you unlock it, it is available to all of your characters on your account. You're talking about the D7 Star Trek, Starship trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the D legendary D7 Starship trait. I think that will be something that players purchase mostly for the legendary trait because then they can use that on other characters as well if they have disruptor builds yeah but the back to your point about level 65 but like the point is if you make a character you do need to actually level them up and go through the hard way quote quote because you learn how to play the game while you're doing that so i mean i think like um joseph howard said in chat you know i would pay 60 dollars for a d7 any day and, you know, the extra bits, yeah, they're good, but that's not why I'm buying this pack. I wish some of the other legendary packs had this option. You know, I know it's 120 or 12,000 Zen normal price, but $60 sale price. I mean, I can't wait for this ship. I'm super, you know, I love a D7. <laughs> it's just one ship in this bundle though, right? So 60 bucks seems reasonable at the, at the you know, the that, that's what ships used to sell for, right? When they were just selling them ships one by one, it was anywhere between 40 and $60, right? Well, most are 3,000 Zens, but this is like a, I mean, you tack legendary onto it, of course, you can get a, a bump in price. But, but this bundle only has the D7. It's only one ship and then a bunch of cosmetic variants in it. Yes. Not the Discovery variant skin, though. That's actually not included in this, which is kind of disappointing, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I don't want to make a new player, so I don't really care about the level gain. So I'll, that's probably going to be wasted on me. But for some people, that might be appealing if you had a Fed character at 65 and you wanted to, you know, make a Klingon and not mess 
mess with all that stuff and just go to 65 level, that might come in handy. Or you may have a Klingon recruit that you started and haven't done much with uh, apart from just going through the first few missions, getting out of the holodeck, becoming a Klingon recruit, and that's all you've really done. So once you've gone past the tutorial, you may have just abandoned that and it could be down at the very bottom of your list. So this could be something to boost up that player and, and get it make it a little bit more exciting uh, as a new alt on your account. Well, while we're on the topic of ships, a complete from the stem bolts on up rework of the Andromeda class exploration cruiser is coming to Star Trek Online sometime soon. TM. Our source, Thomas Maroney, lead ship UI artist and friend of the show himself. Go to his Twitter page at ThomasTheCat and find in progress screenshots and you'll be able to follow him for his next Twitch stream for the new model. Speaking of reworks and Twitter posts, Star Trek Online's environment artist Nick Duguid is also working on some new hotness. It looks like they're updating some Federation interiors to reflect the 2410s, and Nick shared a few works in progress of Federation hallways taking advantage of that amazing lighting 2.0 they introduced a few years ago. Yeah, if you guys didn't take a look at those work in progress hallway shots, I've never been more impressed by in-game hallways. Like those just they just they look like a set they look like a movie set. They're really good. Nick Duguid got mad skills. Mad skills, uh, y'all. It's awesome. I do like the update to the racing stripes on the Andromeda class. I have this on a couple of my builds, and it's very nice once I can get the turn rate up to a level I'm acceptable with because I don't like flying a planet. But otherwise, very much enjoy this. It's a very nice starship. There's something about the, the Dreadnought version as well that I like too. That's very good. The Is it the Yamato with the three nacelles? That's, that looks great. But will they do a remodel on that? I wonder. I hope. Bring it all up to spec. The Ferengi game of Tongo isn't unique to Star Trek Online, having been around ever since Bashir had a change of heart. However, the poker, craps, mahjong love child is a central framing device for one of the game's best missions. Therefore, it's worth trekking out certifiably in-game's eight-minute YouTube clip explaining how to play the baffling capitalistic game, or a best guess of it, since even Deep Space Nine's Human writers didn't know what was happening at that table. I gotta go watch this, because I always wondered how the heck you played Tongo. I, I'm like, I have no idea how this works. If it's anything like Monopoly, <laughs> I'm so bad at that, so... I probably would be a terrible Tongo player. Yeah, the video's a little dry. It's kind of hard to get through, but it's an interesting dive into a fictional game that, uh, you know, played a role in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it's like Monopoly, but with a spinning wheel and more teeth. It's like roulette Monopoly. (laughs) Yeah, I I would be terrible at that game. That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, we posted our community questions on social media, so be sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where we ask you, with all the new Star Trek shows in production and releasing soon, is there such a thing as too much Star Trek? Could we be heading towards a saturation point? On Twitter, Steve Roberts writes, No, 
Different shows can appeal to different types of fans. Just because it is Star Trek, it does not mean that all Star Trek fans might like it. With today's streaming abilities, people watch what they want when they want. It is no longer about appointment TV. Also from Twitter, Ken from Chicago says, are there too many books? As long as you think you have to watch all the TV, you're going to be actually angry at the surplus of good TV. You don't read all the books or expect to, so then don't expect the same for good TV. And lastly from Twitter, Pax Federatica wrote, not having all these series running simultaneously, such as during the DS9, era when it shared seasons with TNG and Voyager should help as well. Good point. From Facebook, Matt Black said, It's possible, but with some careful planning and enough variety, the audience can expand because Trek will have something for them without getting too far from the core of the franchise. Nostalgia, Strange New Worlds, maybe Picard, New Trek Disco, Edgier Trek Section 31, Kid Focus Trek Prodigy, Funny Self-Referential Trek Lower Decks. And on Facebook, Esther writes, never too much. (laughs) I like Esther. (laughs) I support it. And lastly, from Facebook, John Steiner replies, I've never liked animated Star Trek. Something about it being too cutesy just doesn't make me interested. Also, I hope they don't emulate Disney's MCU in that you need to watch every movie and every series to know what's going on. And finally, on PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy commented, that robot voice was um, special. A big shout out to Allie, uh, who lent her voice to do that for us. We thought it was a thank you, Allie. We thought it was a bit of fun, so thank you there. You know, this uh, conversation about Star Trek and you know oversaturation uh, has got me thinking a little bit. Uh, I I recently finished watching Harley Quinn season two, and this animated series really takes the characters, the DC characters that we're all very familiar with. And puts them on their head, you know, put, you know, kind of flips them on their head a bit. And in, and I love it. I absolutely adore it. I, like, I wonder if I'm, I don't know. I, I feel like Harley Quinn was more accepted than, than Star Trek Lower Decks and, and, and most pop culture communities. And I wonder why that is. And perhaps it's something that we'll explore in After Hours and something that maybe you guys can comment on uh, in our social media platforms and whatnot. You know, what what is the difference between Lower Decks and Harley Quinn, right? Why did one do better than the other? So let us know. That's another community question we'll ask this week, and we'll talk about it uh, deeper in After Hours, perhaps. And lastly, the most important piece of feedback we received from Sean Newboy was, Welcome to the family, Roscoe! That's nice. Thank you, Sean, your boy. That is very nice. Thank you, Sean. And I've got quite a few messages from uh, people in the community to say welcome. So thank you very much. Uh, Feeling very much appreciated and loved. I'm sure that will quickly patter away. Not at all, not at all. Well, that wraps up episode 502 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, Gerald Bosch, and thank you to a new patron, Evelyn Moose. Thank you so much. Now here's a reminder of our community questions for this week. 
Did you back the Voyager documentary? And what perks are you excited to get? Do you plan on attending any of the premieres? Also, what excited you most about Star Trek First Contact Day? Which panels or episodes will you be watching? Which panels or episodes did you watch? Finally, our last community question is, does this bundle include enough goodies and perks for you to pick it up? What other legendary bundles do you hope Cryptic releases in the future? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Stowe players, whether you're new or a veteran. Just follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content we produce each and every week. Find out how you can be a patron by visiting us over at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, The Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Roscoe, Lennon, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. The Star Trek Voyager documentary on Indiegogo has become the most funded documentary crowdfunding campaign. That's a lot of crowdfunded campaign. Camper, 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 camper. Give me a second here. On our Facebook page at Priority 
podcast, the Facebook group. What? Job. <laughs> what, what's going on? Are you? Don't what's happening? <laughs> Sorry, I just. Bear with me for a moment. Hold, please. The words, man, they get tricky. Words, they're hard. Okay. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.